0: everyone. My name is Mia. Welcome to the podcast. It's World Immunisation Week and today I speak with two health professionals at NRCH, a GP and the coordinator of the Multicultural Health and Support Service. It has been a great listening experience for me to hear them compare their own experiences working in our diverse community to advocate for vaccine equity and health equity in general. They also discuss the collective actions needed to create a successful health promotion and immunisation campaign for diverse communities, and ultimately how immunisation has reduced vaccine-preventable diseases in Australia. So without further ado, let's do it. I'm Gloria Moscatini, a
1: GP at North Richmond Community Health.
2: My name is uh, Pierre Mora. I'm uh, the current role here that I've got is as coordinator of the Multicultural Health Support Service, and we work with communities and service providers around sexual health and multicultural communities.
0: The theme for, uh, for World Immunisation Week is "Long Life for All." We know that people from migrant and refugee backgrounds all deserve to get immunised, just like everyone else. But this requires greater efforts. What are the challenges that we're facing in reaching this goal?
1: My my experience has been that working with refugees, that there's a lack of documentation to back up what they've had either in their own country, in camps, uh, refugee camps, or when they've arrived in Australia. There doesn't seem to be one easy process of identifying what they might have had so that we can then plan what what's missing or what they need um, and that's often quite challenging for them when if they've become Australian residents family payments are t- tied to who's had vaccinations and who hasn't so that becomes a challenge for fam- families from that regard a financial point of view but also in terms of what protection they have against any of the community infections that may crop up from time to time. And that's certainly something that we're finding things like chicken pox and measles are found in new arrival communities. And that's partly because either they haven't been vaccinated before or we've missed out in vaccinating them when they've arrived because we didn't know what they'd had.
2: That's right. And, um, you know, generally speaking with the migration uh, patterns, people also forget. Mm. Um, they might even think they've had certain vaccinations yeah. ne- they never have so they wouldn't even go to a health service and say yeah. what do I have you know if if you just asked very briefly people mm. would go oh yeah chicken pot yeah yeah, yeah. I had all mm. the um, mm. childhood vaccinations mm. but maybe didn't get all of them yeah. so there needs to be engagement mm-hmm. by the health providers to actually do a bit more probing to see mm. Have you actually got all of them, or how many mm. have have you got? Because people sort of forget, mm. and also with some people, especially if they've got from poorer backgrounds, their you know initial years in in Australia might be about just getting stabilised, getting and mm. settled, and they might not even think about vaccines mm. for them or for their kids. So again, you know, it just takes. We always have to think that. Our services need to make sure they have some kind of outreach, some mm. kind of engagement with, mm. with people and to try mm. to get more of their story. Mm. Mm. Otherwise, if we ask very simple, mm. quick questions, the likelihood we're going to get very simple answers which mm. may not be totally correct.
1: Yes, yeah. and, and certainly most of the people who come as refugees don't have the documentation to back up what may ha- or may not have been given to them. It's the last thing they're thinking of. Yeah. Mm.
0: What is the process for new arrivals to get immunised? Do they take a blood test to see?
1: They can. Um, a, a little bit depends on what, uh, how they come to Australia. So there there are a range of processes. If they're under family reunion, it seems to be different to asylum seekers. You know, there, there's different standards of, of vaccination proof that is needed for those different categories. Also, who pays for those vaccines once they come here, if they haven't had them or to have them in their own country is an issue because they're not necessarily cheap uh, vaccines. So uh, often for some of these, it's just as easy to get blood tests done to see what level of antibodies people have, but that requires them to have already engaged in with a GP For a checkup, that's not around being sick, we need to have some process where we can perhaps be proactive and checking on immunisation status separate to that medical model of you go to the doctor when you're sick.
0: We were talking earlier about translation issues and I know that in order to deliver the best healthcare possible, we can't be hindered by language barriers or cultural Mm. barriers. So a very literal example is if there is a translation error for you as a doctor, that could result in a very dangerous outcome Mm. for the patient. Yes. And there's also more subtle cultural barriers that prevent us from giving the best care. So I think that's where um, cultural competence comes in. Mm. So what does cultural competence look like in the healthcare field? For me, it's absolute insistence on having an appropriately trained interpreter
1: of the right gender um, present in the room with me when I'm doing my um, assessment, get, taking a history and clinical examination, and as far as I'm concerned, unless it's an emergency, I will often reschedule appointments until I can have. I do. I do a lot of women's health, and it is so difficult if I've I have been allocated a male interpreter, either on the phone or on site, to be talking to. Uh, women of a non English speaking background about um, women's health issues, sexual health, contraception, it is a real barrier.
2: Yeah, look, I totally back that mm. uh, 100%. I think mm. the use of interpreters and the correct use of interpreters mm. as as well. I think sometimes, obviously, Gloria, you're very experienced, but sometimes, mm. you know, not, not all interpreters are experienced. Mm. So you have to realize that especially when you talk about medical terms, they may actually the interpreters themselves might not know exactly what those mm. terms mean. Mm. so you need to be have that trust and engagement mm. with the mm. interpreter to be able to explore mm. that. But certainly in terms, again, I always say you need the engagement with, with the people mm. and look at them individually. Mm. We still get asked um, by people outside that would go, "Oh how do you work with the Indian community?" Mm. And you go, well, the Indian community is actually very, very big. Mm. Um, You need to actually understand the patient, where they come Mm. from, and also Mm. their set of health beliefs. Mm. Uh, I think it's another, because people, as we've seen with COVID-19, may not believe in vaccinations, Mm. but even not believing, there might be 10 different reasons why they don't believe. And, and. you can't overcome that if you actually don't know where they're coming mm-hmm. from. So that engagement and that understanding. Um, and there are ways you can um, help that, but I can talk more about those later.
0: Uh, we can go there now. What yes. What are the different beliefs around immunisation in different cultures?
2: Well, it's, uh, some people might believe in traditional uh, medicine. You know, if you go to the extreme examples... Some people believe that vaccines are, are meant to sterilize populations. Mm-hmm. Some people reckon there is some kind of colonial uh, type of conspiracy. Mm-hmm. You you can never underestimate the the the, the beliefs that people have. Mm-hmm. One good way for people, and maybe Gloria, you use that yourself, is what we call is uh, explanatory models of health, where instead of me well, I'm not a doctor, but if Mm. I was a doctor, instead of saying, you're sick or what's Mm. your... is you actually ask the person Mm. what they think their trouble is Mm. and for them to explain what their issues are because then, first of all, you create better engagement and secondly, you'll start to find out where they're coming from and what they're believing. Mm. If you don't have trust, and I think, again, COVID-19 is perfectly... Mm. There's no trust. There's no point of whatever we say... Mm. If a person doesn't believe you,
1: don't worry. Whatever you provide, they're not going to follow it. And, And a really good example of how you might use this building up of trust is around flu vaccines. Now, that's a classic one where so many people say, I had my flu vaccine and then I got sick, you gave me the flu. And this is widespread across a whole lot of different cultural groups and different community groups. And it's really important that we take the time to advise them about what the possible side effects are of having the vaccine, why the benefits outweigh the risks, and indeed that sometimes you do have reactions, but it's not a live vaccine. So this is a really simple example of where we can reassure people that this is going to be more valuable for you because you know, you know they're diabetic or high blood pressure or heart disease. Um, And this is really important to protect you. Um, And if you do get cold symptoms next week, it's not because the flu vaccine gave it to you. Mm -hmm. It's coincidence. But we we sometimes don't have the time or sometimes GPs just don't think of explaining it in that way, uh, which is a shame because then it reinforces that misconception that the vaccine gave them the flu.
2: Mm. And can I just add just on what you just said, Gloria, I think one one word that you said is really important is time mm. you need to take and and this is the this is a systemic problem with a lot of our health care mm. it's time limited mm. you go in quick quick appointments and whatever mm. when people need time i mean even what you've said it takes time to mm. explain to a person yep. to un- to hear what they're saying to listen mm. to what they're mm. saying and put in the words mm. and maybe. They're not going to have the vaccine today, but maybe they'll come back next week.
1: Next week. Another good example was when COVID uh, vaccines first became available, we had quite a bit of difficulty engaging the Timorese community. And one of the reasons was that people in Dili who'd had the Sino vaccine, they'd had quite bad reactions, but there had been a couple of people who were reported to have died as a consequence of it. And that spread through the community here, our team of community, and it's quite a big community. And it took a lot of time to reassure them. One, it was a different vaccine. Two, it was a very, very rare complication to happen and that we didn't believe that it was a, a big risk. And the time that that took for the nurses and GPs and receptionists To reassure the community was it was much more than I expected. But in the end, people really responded to that one to one engagement with the health team and the interpreters. Took quite a while. I was surprised.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and you mentioned another something that's sort of new is about social media, the internet. We're now, you know, when we're talking about culture, is Mm. that communities are often not in bubbles anymore? No, no. So we've heard cases of people um, getting information from totally different communities in Mm. language or, you know, some of the global Mm. languages, you can call it. So these ideas can Mm. now spread horizontally from community to community Mm. as well. Mm. So we have to really be aware of that and take Mm. the time and the Mm. engagement process. I remember I was working in another organisation a few years ago, and someone went to see a specialist to ask them about, they were taking herbal uh, extracts, Mm. you know, and they were going to go for vaccination but also Mm. some other procedures. And as soon as they went in, the specialist just said, oh, and I hope you're not taking any of that herbal rubbish, are you? Mm. Mm. Now, that basically obviously stopped the conversation dead, Mm. Mm. and the person wasn't able to get their questions answered and yeah. maybe just needed 15 minutes for them to say no this is all right this mm. is not mm. and to talk about it um so th- that was a negative example mm. of sort of saying this is the only way yes. i'm not even going to listen mm. yeah. to to you yeah and i think yeah. it does nothing to build. Haines, it. yeah mm. and then of course i would say gloria with the timorese community here mm. once you've managed to gain their trust and all mm. that there's all kinds of forward. Mm. Are there positive effects?
1: Oh, look, it was a very interesting experience where we had to sort of work out where this message was coming from and how we could sort of contain that misinformation and reassure people and then to start vaccinating them. And then because people were not having dreadful outcomes with it, then the word started to spread. And within a couple of weeks, the do- the queues were at the door to be vaccinated. And I presume
2: that now the, the, that Timorese community trusts this health centre oh, much more. Th- there's
1: a lot of trust in, from that community to, you know, with, with this centre, whether it's dental, medical, yeah. social work. It's,
0: yeah. Um, well, speaking earlier a bit about, you were talking about HPV vaccines. Yes. How do you engage people with Um, culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds and speaking openly about sexual health. Yes. Uh, The
1: example um, that comes to mind is one that very recent one where uh, a mother and daughter came in to see me long-term patients. The daughter's uh, of an age where, oh, she's been offered the Gardasil vaccine, which is the HPV vaccine that has been incredibly successful in preventing the development of cervical cancer in the long term for for women and um, reducing the incidence and transmission of HPV. And the school had sent information home to the the, the family, and the mother was concerned. She was worried that if the daughter had the vaccine, it might encourage promiscuity. Not that she thought her daughter would be promiscuous, but just the concept of preventing a sexually transmitted disease in a community that believes in very strict sexual behaviours in that community. And it was quite a challenge talking with the mother and the daughter and reassuring them that this was safe, it was going to prevent this disease happening and it protects against a whole range of other types of HPV, not just the ones that are associated with cervical cancer. And it was it's a slow process. You need to spend time reassuring them, telling reassuring them that it's been well tested. And in the end, the mum was quite reassured and was going to allow her daughter to have it, which is really important for the broader community. The the more people, both girls and boys, who are protected when they are young, the less frequency of HPV uh, being in the wider community and then being able to be spread.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I think that's a that's a perfect uh, example. Um, that and and again, you know, in every community, you're going to find slightly different reasons and slightly mm. different um, hesitancy. Mm. And again, if you don't then put it and explain it in a way that they understand, mm. um, then you're not going to get those positive mm. outcomes.
0: And sexual health is a taboo topic for everyone, but particularly with the cultural barriers that you have existing already. Is it challenging to get people to open up about it?
2: This is a really interesting question because yes some communities are more conservative mm. than others mm. and you know you respect everyone's views but even within communities mm. you will then find generational differences mm. or differences mm. between people so you always have to be aware mm. of of that mm. and uh, you also have to be aware of sometime there will be more vulnerable people in mm. communities and especially around sexual health and so, you know, you have to then look at the individual and say, I mm-hmm. oh, will give you the mm-hmm. best care or I'll give you the mm-hmm. best information. So th- we always say, always be aware, mm-hmm. always of the individual. And also the communities are very different. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the bigger the community, the bigger mm-hmm. differences within the communities and mm-hmm. especially around young people and mm-hmm. sexual health. And again, you know, I hate to say, if there's lots of conservative ideas well, then maybe a lot of things happen underground that mm. you don't know, which does make it more difficult for mm. healthcare workers. Oh, it
1: does. And, and indeed, a large part of my work is working with with women and their children primarily, not so much men. But this is with the um, cervical screening, it does sometimes take quite a while for women to develop enough trust to even allow you to examine them let alone um, proceed to talk about the sexual part of their life. It's, it's fortunately we've got uh, an opportunity when we're doing things like antenatal care or postnatal care to start talking about these issues with the women.
2: And I might put something else in it. You know, the social context that we know. You know, in communities where there are. So, we say stereotypical norms Mm. where you know uh, women through health uh, checks Mm. come out that have Mm. sexually transmitted illnesses of one Mm. kind Mm. or another, and then but then their ability to do something about it Mm. is very restricted because Mm. of their social position, yes, or the fact that then they'll get into trouble because their their partner husband will accuse them of being um, unfaithful and all that, Mm. when in reality it's actually the males mm-hmm. who actually are going out there and, you know, especially with some migrant communities that have girlfriends overseas or in mm-hmm. other cities, certainly our job as an educator is actually to broach those mm. subjects to the communities mm. to say, hold on a minute, if, if you have sex, doesn't matter if you're married or unmarried, not protected then you'll have STIs or you know you'll you'll get uh, your uh, you're exposed mm-hmm. to diseases and you know when people travel and all that we put mm-hmm. it out there to the community mm-hmm. to go you can't just because you're going to a different country and no one can see you doesn't mean mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you're not going to uh, that that's right you know mm-hmm. and then when you come back it'll be the people around mm-hmm. you your your wife mm-hmm. and all that so Mm. There are very difficult discussions, discussions mm. that can emanate mm. from people because of their social position. Because the migration puts people in a more vulnerable position, mm. often women, I would say, are trapped by conservative social mores. Mm. I'll leave it at that. Mm.
0: Mm. Uh, This is a broad question, but how do you successfully promote a immunisation program to diverse communities?
2: Um, You have to know which community. I think Mm. if you think that one, one, five, you know, what did the government use? Arm yourself Mm. for COVID-19. If you thought that that was going to work through all communities, (laughs) then (laughs) I think you go back to first class of health promotion, Mm -hmm. you know. You go every community, not even every. Co- like we've done quite a number of messaging working with communities, and once once you go in there and you try to interpret or translate messages, mm. what you will find is one person will go, "Oh, this is really good," mm. and the next person says, "Oh no, I don't understand mm. this," mm. and the third person says, "Oh, really? No, that's against my beliefs." Mm. The take-home message is, so the more the more ways you can give the same message. And the more um, tracks or what's the right word, the more multimedia ways you Mm. can give it, the better Mm. because you're going to get the most people. So never think I'll get one message.
1: Mm. Mm. That's true. And the biggest carrot in terms of immunising the community in the last 10, 15 years has been the fact that parents are paid family allowance to... Get their children immunised. You wouldn't think that it, we should do that, but it's been the carrot that has meant that families will make it a priority. Family mother, mothers get busy with all their other kids to remember that, you know, oh, sort of this little one, oh, it's four months, we, you know, we have to get that one done or six months or whatever. So life gets in the way. So the fact that they have been rewarded for taking the time to get them immunised I think has been a bonus even though it seems like you're punishing the ones that don't they don't actually get Centrelink payments do come through but they are held up until they get them done which can be really challenging for families. so I don't think it happens as much anymore because they know that if I get it, if I get it done in, the, in a timely manner, the payments will continue. So that's been the carrot that has got got us to these very high immunisation rates. And if
2: you think about it, I mean, this carrot actually works probably best with some of the more marginalised communities Absolutely. and people where, you know, that bit of money is really, really important. It is. Uh, obviously, for people who are wealthier, it's just not a, not an issue. So in some ways it does give the carrot to some of the more marginalised people Mm. who might not prioritise because the priority might be putting food on the table or a house or whatever. But in the long term, Mm. it actually makes sense to everyone.
0: So I'm out in community asking people, what vaccines have you had? And why is immunisation important to you? And here's what they said. Um, do you know what you're vaccinated for?
1: Um, I'm vaccinated for COVID-19 and all the like for flu, whooping cough and all the hepatitis B vaccine and all the other vaccine that was required to be vaccinated for.
0: Why do you think immunisation is important?
1: It's important because everyone needs to be protected.
0: Do you know how to check what you're immunised for? Um, no, I, I don't know how I can check it. Um, I would like to ask if you can give me the information how to check uh, my immunisation for all the vaccines I got. So I'm not sure which one I got before. It's long time. I mm. cannot remember. Yeah. Are you up to date on immunisation? I, I don't know. Do you know how to find the information? I usually go to my GP. And what vaccine did you get? Uh, COVID-19 vaccine three times and also flu Okay, back in the studio with our guests. When you ask people in the community what they think they've been immunised for, what do you expect them to say? I suspect a lot of them won't
1: know. Yeah. If, if they're from non-English background, they probably don't know that what the diseases are that they're being immunised mm. against. They might they might think remember things like hepatitis measles mumps rubella they probably don't know polio they probably don't know and when they say to you what what is it that we're being immunized and you say to them these are the the conditions that used to cause this 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 and this
0: mm-hmm.
1: they'll understand or if you say these are the diseases that used to kill so many children in the past and now they don't exist anymore they understand that as a concept mm-hmm. but don't necessarily know that measles, used to cause, you know, a rash, pneumonia, yeah, those sort of things. They may not understand those. They just know that children used to die with them, but now they're protected. Mm. Don't be surprised if people say, I don't know what I'm being immunised against or what the child is being immunised against. Mm -hmm. I suspect that not many of them would understand it. And so then we're hoping that they totally trust us, that there's a benefit to doing these vaccinations.
2: And I think you've hit a very um, important point. Is that sometimes people in the health sector, or even health promoters, public health people like me, mm. sort of want to give too much information, mm. wants to make sure I oh, know there's ten mm. points. When well, in reality, most people won't mm. understand or, mm. or have the time, mm. and maybe just to know you get vaccinated for A, B, and C, and you'll be better, mm. or your baby won't get mm. sick. That's all they got to know. Mm. You know, if, if you get them over the line, that's all mm. there is to, to yeah. know. So we always think keep the message simple mm. and keep it uh, positive and so where people understand. And, and so if you make it too complex, mm. then you'll lose people.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just checked my immunisation records in MyGov and I was vaccinated, it turns out, for tetanus and measles when I was a child mm. and obviously on triple vax for COVID as well. Mm. Um, but I was expecting to be immunised against a lot, you know, there's so many pre- preventable so diseases So if there. you grew
1: up in Australia, there should be a whole lot of uh, vaccinations and you're much younger so you might have had a, a little immunisation book that you used to have once you're – basically now it's a green book. It used to be a yellow, a yellow book. book. I've still got it. <laughs> yep, you still <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> I had the cream one, the little one. That's how long ago it was. But basically – In there, things like your weight and your height and those sort of things should have been recorded, and all your immunisation should have been recorded. However, um, you might have to ask your mum if she's still got your immunisation. Would that have crossed over to my gov? Not necessarily. You see, it should have. It should have been. If you haven't, if you did indeed miss out those immunisations for a particular reason, it would would be very unusual. A young person in Australia who grew up in Australia would have missed out that many. Uh, But if you did, for whatever reason, um, you can do catch-up vaccinations. Mm. And there's a process with um, what I'm showing you now is the current immunisation schedule But there's a whole heap of ways to give catch-ups to different people, Mm. um, different at-risk groups. So we often find, for example, people who come from overseas, we were saying earlier on, who don't know exactly what they've had and we try to establish what they've had and then we establish a a catch-up vaccination program for them to protect them, the same as other Australian citizens.
0: For people out there who don't know about their immunisation status... What's your advice?
1: Oh, I would say to them, go and see your GP or clinic nurse and sort of try to find out what information is in the AIR and uh, that's been logged. Look for your green or yellow book or whatever you've got at home that has your vaccines, whatever information you can get to bring in so we can work out what you need. And if we're not sure, then we can check what your antibody levels are for various uh, va-
0: infections and then recommend certain um, vaccinations I'd love to hear what you find most enjoyable about your work so what experience made you decide to specialize in this area or did you have a particular career ge- trajectory that made no you feel no
1: I I just came via hospital training into community health and um sounds really corny but <laughs> I fell in love with the community and um this is a sort of a general practice inside a community health setting, which I think is the best of both worlds, mm. that we have access to all these health information supports. We've got access to allied health, dental. It's a really great place to work across a range of services, working with other people. It, that's most, mostly why I, I've uh, stayed
0: in this area. Yeah, that Wasn't corny at all. It, I do I don't mind a bit of corn, but that was <laughs> an appropriate level of corny.
2: Oh, look, for me, uh, certainly not a career path or career choice. My first training was a, it was in botany. Mm. So I've got a bachelor of science going mm. back many mm. years. Um, but then um looking down a microscope wasn't at plant cells wasn't quite <laughs> what really turned me on. So I just moved around and got into the community sector and just slowly developed a uh, inkling, liking for this type of work. And, um, look, it's really interesting because you learn new things. I mean, public health, health promotion mm. is a huge area. and um, And also you work with people, mm. you talk to people, and you have some great discussions. Even mm. if people go, oh, is that how you think? Mm-hmm. Right, let me, mm. you know, and you always thinking, how can I give this message in a different Mm. way? How Mm. can I repackage that? Mm. What is going to work best? And Mm. as the years go by, new communities, new issues, new topics, Mm. it's never boring.
0: I'd like to wrap up with a final word for the podcast. So what's a final word you'd like to have for the community?
2: Don't be afraid Mm. and don't be afraid to ask. Mm.
1: Oh, look, I think I would back that up as well. Yes, certainly we're, we're there to answer questions that might arise. Just ask. Mm-hmm. And
0: if you're a healthcare provider and you want someone to feel comfortable. Spend time. Take spend time. the time. Yeah.
2: Yep, I'll back that up, too. Mm. Take the mm. time and mm. ask as well. Mm.
1: Exactly. If you don't ask, you won't know. Mm.
0: Thanks for coming in today. really enjoyed it. It's yeah. been a
2: pleasure. Thanks it's very much. Fun.
0: Thank you. Did you know that in Victoria, people under 20 years old are eligible for free immunisations? All refugee and humanitarian entrants, including asylum seekers, can also receive free immunisations. Some vaccines are available for purchase uh, for those who are not eligible for free vaccine. But we do immunisation sessions here at NRCH on the first Wednesday of the month. So if you have any questions about immunising or you want a book or an immunisation session, just call NRCH on 9418 9800. That's all for the podcast today. I hope you learned something. I know I did. I've got to ask mum where my immunisation book is so I can get on top of that. But that's all for now. Thanks for listening and take care.